It's time for another episode of The Scoop. Get ready to talk Temple Athletics with John DiCarlo, Kyle Gauss, Matt Vender, and Dalton Balthazer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of The Scoop. I'm Dalton Balthazer, joined by my weekly Wednesday social media kings, Matt Vender, Kyle Gauss, social. John DiCarlo. How's it going? I feel like every episode well. just starts with me repeating what Dalton said. <laughs> like, Dalton will have his name on <laughs> social media kings. Do you get the reference? No. Joel Embiid. He's a, he calls himself social media. He calls himself media. social media. No, other, other, other members of the NBA claimed him as a social media. Oh, but he is. He's the best. Did you oh, see yeah. the. No uh, doubt. I don't know if it was NBA com, NBA.com or NBC Philly where they did like fake tweet, real tweet with him. They like asked yeah. his teammates, like, did he actually say this? Yeah. <laughs> he did. His best tweet was like, I'm sorry, I thought I was using my burner account. <laughs> yeah, <that was> tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. No, he got in an uh, argument with Hassan Whiteside last week. Yeah. And he destroyed him. He destroyed him. Yeah. And then Andre Iguodala claims the kid is the GOAT. And that's it. that's it. We'll have him on the podcast next week. <laughs> and, and tell Jamie that he can't go. He's been to Temple games. Yeah. yeah. They could use him. Yeah, he, st- he was at the Temple UConn game a couple of years ago, and he, he was just telling people, like, people would come up to him, and uh, he had, like, a security guy with him. The security guy would be like, no, 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 go away. No pictures, no pictures, no pictures. <laughs> I'll take a picture if I want to take a picture. He was I'll sitting right in front of me yeah. at, at the game. You're in a public space. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of, you know what game he wasn't at? This year's Tumblr Cup game. That's good he wasn't. Anyway, the Owls, <laughs> the Owls, Owls lose 28-24 against the UConn Huskies. Pretty embarrassing performance for the most part, but I guess we'll just get right into it. What do you guys take away from the game, initial reactions from the game? And, uh, yeah, simple as that. Uh, <laughs> absolute blown opportunity. Poor performance. Uh, I don't care how many yards Logan Marchie threw for. He threw a pick six. The penalties were terrible. I, I think sometimes people default to like, well, the defense played well. Defense played well. Defense yes, they do get put in some unfavorable positions sometimes, but uh, the two face masking penalties accounted for 30 yards on the one drive. I mean, Archel Foster has to be better than that. Who had the other face masking penalty? It was Mike Jones. Mike Jones. I mean, they have to be better than that. Jones is a redshirt senior. Autrell Foster is a redshirt senior. Dave Pat noted after the game, said, you know, some of those penalties are coming from younger guys. Well, half of them, half of the penalties, half of the 12 penalties came from either redshirt juniors or redshirt seniors. Pretty sure Dave Pat was talking about the offense when he said that quote. Oh, sorry, Dave. Because why, um, why would he talk about the defense? I think he was just talking about, like, just remember he said a Jeff Collins sure. team is not going to be undisciplined. Yeah, that but they part have been. is its own. But they have been. And, um... And you can't, like, Brian Sheriffs can run the ball a little bit. He has been, he has broken off a few runs this year in other games. But you can't, like, if you want to be, if you want to still have that identity of, like, we're a fourth quarter team, we're a fourth quarter team, you know what you can't do is let anybody who's not Deshaun Watson, like, run 49 yards up the gut on you in the fourth quarter. Um, they didn't get, that was the drive where they missed the field goal. But it still chewed up more clock. So this is a bad loss all around. I know Jeff Collins is going to be really positive and say those kids fought. They did this. They did that. i going to wrap my arms around them. That's fine. And I'm sure he doesn't really care about his press conference answers. But it was a terrible loss. I terrible, mean, the, terrible loss. Yes, obviously it's a terrible loss. The defense did go to the last 25 minutes of the game without allowing a single point. Yeah. The only point came on pick six from Logan Marchie. I feel like it was the same thing as the Houston game where they kind of they, the offense and the defense kind of ride the ship a little bit in the second half, but it was too little too late. You should never be giving out 21 points in the first 33 minutes against a UConn team that couldn't put up points against Holy Cross. Yep. There was very little talent on that UConn team. I did find it interesting that one of the guys that made the play, Jordan Swan, absolutely wanted to come to Temple, and Temple was not interested in him towards the end. Looks like that's already paying dividends for UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity is a good way of putting it. This is going to sound, I'm probably going to get hate tweets about this because this is everybody's, for lack of a better phrase, just 
uh, target, their whipping boy is. I don't think Logan's the reason they lost this game. Um, I think the defense came up really short, to be honest, in the first half. Uh, mm. After you completely dominated uh, East Carolina team, you played really good in the second half. A huge Did you game. vote for you, the Pro Football Focus? That's not a vote. <laughs> I, I just go with it. Like it's not like no, it's like not even I like a it's poll. It's literally just like a, an algorithm. Um, regardless, like uh, you, they came out and looked absolutely awful in the first half. UConn yeah. moved the ball well against them. Yeah, like you said, they were put in some bad situations, but they looked. They looked disinterested. Speaking of disinterested, certain members of the offense uh, looked completely disinterested in the second half, which has kind of been a theme this year when they fall behind is there's more mental mistakes, there's more dropped balls like there were a lot of on mm-hmm. Saturday. I, at a certain point, yeah, you got to put some blame on the players because they're the ones that are dropping balls and the ones making these penalties. But I think also at a certain point, you got to put some blame on the coaches. Like even with the David Hood thing at the end, go out of bounds. Instead, mm-hmm. he wastes 12 seconds trying to stretch it for an extra right. yeah, yards. That's, yeah, that's again, it happened at Houston with Isaiah Wright, happened last week with David Hood. I, I, you know, if you coach that in practice, that really should be muscle memory for these guys. I've never seen that mm. twi- twice in one season. That should be muscle memory for them by the time they get to middle school. Yes. The fact that David Hood is a redshirt junior and doesn't understand that maybe he needs to run out of bounds there is baffling. Yeah. Yeah, but the situ- situational awareness just, I mean, it goes back to the Houston game where Isaiah Wright ran around and, and wasted time, didn't get out of bounds, yeah. and kind of co- maybe cost them a chance to have a, well, he to have a got, chance to win the game. He got past the first down yeah, mark. Yeah. The, the clock would have stopped when they moved mm-hmm. the markers, and he tried getting out of bounds. So yeah. it was kind of yeah same concept, just different ends of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, another thing that, that's kind of been disturbing to me, I mean, you mentioned the drops. Colin said he counted seven drops for, yeah. for the receivers. But that's that's disturbing, especially considering, I mean, all offseason we had heard about how this is one of the best receiving cores in the league. These guys can start Florida. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jeff Collins really hyped up this receiving core, and they have plenty of talent, don't get me wrong. I mean, Ventel Bryant, we've seen what he can do in years past. Adonis Jennings, Keith Kirkwood, Isaiah Wright. Some young guys like Randall Jones and Freddie Johnson are, seem to be coming on, but and this is this is a talented group that has some veterans. They pretty much didn't lose anybody from last year, so you know the expectation for for them was to be to, to be probably the deepest group on the team, and they didn't live up to it on Saturday at all. That and you know I, I think you haven't seen much from Ventel Bryant since since that first game against Villanova. I think he had like seventy receiving yards right. then. He hasn't really done anything since. Um, so just as a receiving core as a whole, it's been been disappointing to to see to see that. Let me, I just, jump. Oh god! I just don't know how you fix drops. You get, like part of me wants to be like, okay, you talk about how ball control is ball security is job security. You turn the ball over, you're not going to have a job. You commit a penalty, you're coming off the field. I don't know if you can do that with receivers. Like, oh, you dropped a ball. Or I'm replacing you with Randall Jones. Receivers are so much confident based. Like we've seen with the Eagles with Nelson Aguilar. All of a sudden, when everyone starts talking about the drops, more drops come, and it almost becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy. I think at a certain point, it just needs to be. They need to, God, this is going to sound almost like a cliche, they need to will themselves to catch the ball. They need mm-hmm. to be able to actually be, stay focused, despite what Isaiah Wright might say after the game. Stay focused, make those catches, and realize that that catch is the difference between a win and a loss. Isaiah Wright dropped the game-winning type, the game-tying touchdown. Yeah. Aaron Bumeri's field goal would have been for the win instead of mm-hmm. being bringing them within four points. Yeah. Now, yesterday, and again, we're recording this on Wednesday, I asked Jeff Collins about about Ventel, and it was just kind of pretty direct. I was like, listen, you said at the beginning of the year you've been rotating the number one around. Is there anything that clicks in Ventel's mind? Like, that used to be my number, and literally every week it's being passed around to somebody else. How do you get him right? And he was like, fair question or good question. And, and Jeff kind of went into, like, protection mode again. He said, you know, I've read about Ventel's perceived lack of production, 
And then he said, let me tell you something. All that kid cares about is winning. He was on three special teams. Um, you know, and it's true. If, if, if a lot of the rotation is to him, they're going to throw to other receivers. He said he was running down on kickoffs and stuff like that. I get that. But Ventel Bryant has not affected a game this year on special teams. And until he does, that kind of rings hollow to me. He's on this team to catch passes. Now, if he's in the return game and he's doing something, that's fine. I can guarantee you that a lot of the rotation went over to Robbie Anderson when he was here. And guess what? He still affected games. He still found a way to be a contributor. I think Jeff is officially at the point where he's kind of – I get it. If I were a coach, you know, I'd, I'd try to protect my players too unless I wanted to hang them out in the media. And I don't, I don't expect them to rip them. But, I mean, he's – you don't have the production he had last year and then trail off like this because – if he was playing better, the team would be playing better. So I, I kind of thought it was interesting that, again, I, that seems to be Jeff's thing. I'm going to wrap my arm around these guys, be confident. And that's his thing. He's entitled to that. But the whole, you know, all I care about is winning. Well, that's how all your players should feel. But yeah, I I'm, I don't think Ventel Bryant can skate by this year catching like 25 passes. But you know what? The team won. If they get to a bowl game, it's going to be a, a lower-tier bowl game. But this is this season has so far, so far been a failure for Ventel, for Ventel, and he's got to start playing better, regardless of who else is, is getting in there. I mean, again, we're not in there watching film with these guys, but the drops are an issue. I think the body language, like I know who you're talking about, the body language at the end of games is an issue. Uh, but he's a guy who should be, if this is a guy who really wants to play in the NFL, you don't hear, like, oh, his numbers went way down. Like, Cortland... I, Maybe it's unfair. Like, Cortland Sutton isn't having this problem this year at SMU. Like, if you're good, and I'm not saying he's going to be first-round good like Cortland Sutton, but he's got to start playing better. But all of them have to start playing better. Nobody in the NFL cares about your college stats. Matt Rule once told us specifically right, that no one has ever come into this. No scout has ever come into this program and said, what's his stats? Not even so much about his stats. He's just not playing well sure. right now. But to answer your point, of like, oh, I think uh, Jeff Collins is going to protection mode and he's saying this. Yeah, I'd agree. What's he going to say? Right. What's he going to be like, oh, yeah, like you're right. Like, Bentel does need to do better. Like, I'm sure different things are coming out of closed doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Patton, who surprisingly after the game was quick to say, he's like, it's impossible to win a game when you have six, seven, eight drops. Right. That's the closest thing to coach honesty you're going to get. Dave yeah. Patton has given us a fair amount of honesty. Mm-hmm. For all the criticism people have given him, and rightfully so, they're not producing an offense. He's been pretty candid in interviews. And he comes out like every... He owns it every time. I haven't seen Tabor Johnson once after a game. Granted, no. his team's playing better. Has well, anybody asking better. for him? I think we've asked for I him. Think, I think he's come out once or twice. But, yeah, yeah. Dave's never... Dave's, Dave always comes out. He always faces the yeah. questions. He's honest. Yeah. He's I'm candid. Sure, yeah, I'm sure people probably don't care about that, and I get that. But the dude comes out every week and talks to us, and he answers every single question we ask him. Yeah, and he said, yeah, like they need to start catching balls better. That is a big like, uh, deficit in our offense. Jeff Collins is going to go with the opposite approach of, hey, no, everything's fine. We're going to we're gonna coach him up. We're going to love him up. Behind closed doors, I'm sure they're having the exact same conversations. What's going wrong? Mm-hmm. Stan, you've been coaching wide receivers for four decades. Make them catch the ball. Yeah. It is interesting how there's kind of like a contrast between the way Pat Nude, you know, he'll say things. He'll be a little bit more straightforward, and Jeff Collins has, has his own way of, of kind of dealing with reporters. So, I mean, there, there's kind of a contrast there between between the two. In all fairness, Jeff Collins has gotten a lot more, a lot better, a lot more accessible, a lot more open. Talking about injuries more, especially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it went from, like, when we when, when he was asked about Tyler Rayner's injury during training camp, he, he literally, like, was like, we don't talk about that, well, then just looked away. He used so. to just stare and nod or shake his head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm not a child. Yeah. <laughs> you can give me an actual answer. And then now, he, now he's what if you been, were? What if now you, he's been like, pretty much the same as like every coach? Like he's doing exactly what Rule would do. Yeah, I don't think like, I don't think you could ask for much more than what, what he's. What if given. you like 
like, what if you turn into like a little like Josh Baskin, like in big, like twelve year old Kyle, like you just twelve year old Kyle shrunk into your twelve year old Kyle didn't know he had to wear deodorant yet. Oh, so no. like <laughs> it was at that time where like nobody had told him yet. Like by the way, you smell. <laughs> And then I probably started wearing deodorant and skyrocketing self esteem. <laughs> what if it was like yeah, Benjamin Button? Every day I got younger and younger and younger. <laughs> I come in one day and I'm just spinning in the chair. I'm like 75 pounds. <laughs> I know we're all, not all offensive masterminds and for yourself. Great I play on all pro on man. <laughs> we're not all great play callers, but I know for me especially, I just don't understand why you run a wildcat on fourth and one when you know Isaiah Wright's not going to throw it. There's right. a specific situation throughout the game where why don't you take the points on fourth and seven specifically? I just want to get your oh, real quick on that play. You have a, you have the best fullback in the nation. Why are you running wildcat? Yeah, yeah, yeah I that's, agree. That's completely. <laughs> agree. And you have Robert Rivado who's who's completely running pretty agree. well right now too. Well, plus, like you said, once you line up, once you line up right in the wildcat, they know. Like congratulations, they know exactly mm-hmm. what's coming now. Isaiah Wright is not throwing one single mm-hmm. pass, even though he played a little quarterback in high school. They know exactly what's coming. I thought it was a horrible play call. And horrible the decision. With, the, the thing with Sharger is he could pre- it's like a Brandon Jacobs type thing. You hit him at the line of scrimmage and he falls over for six yards. Right. Yeah. And it just Dave, doesn't make any sense. And Dave was asked about this after the game, and I think, I mean, he gave, I guess, what was an honest answer, but I think he said something along the lines of, you know. We've repped that play Yeah, practice, we've repped it in practice yeah, or whatever. But it didn't seem... The answer really didn't didn't satisfy me. It didn't seem I didn't get a clearer picture of, of why he of why he made that play I'm call. I'm just gonna say <laughs> this: Steve Adazio would have picked up that fourth down. Yeah, he would have. would have lined up in the middle. It would have been cloud of dust in the yard, and they would have gotten the first down. We're gonna th- we're gonna steady that boat, and uh, you guys need to get behind this boat. Sometimes <laughs> offensive <laughs> play macaroni. <laughs> offensive coordinators kind of outthink themselves sometimes. I know I have 45 plays that yeah. I love. Yeah, guess which play is gonna work the best? Off tackle with the fullback and eye formation. Yeah, Dazzler came up with a big win for a yard. Yeah. The Eagles have done that 17 times this game yeah. this year. Oh, it's fourth and one. What are they going to do? Oh, they have a six foot five quarterback. They're just going to lean forward. Yeah, it hasn't failed yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, granted, just Logan March is like five ten, but still with the sleeve, with the arm sleeve, he's like five eleven. That was forced. I like I, I, I like Logan, and I let's. We should also mention that his uh, John Gruden impersonation is that was fun. fantastic. Yeah, that was good. that was good. good. Yeah. I have nothing against Logan as a, as a person. He's a very funny, very nice guy. I would like him to come in here for a segment and just answer questions like Gruden would about the team. Like mean tweets? <laughs> that would take some guts. No, no, not like that. I'm just saying, like, forget the Logan March yet. Like, just pretend to be John Gruden and break down. Oh, okay. Uh, that would be very fun. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about March? That's, like, the one thing that we haven't talked about. Who's, who is the uh, pro football-focused AAC quarterback of the week correct. this week, right? Yes. Yeah. A lot of that. Here's the thing. Again... I'm not necessarily defending Logan March because I think they need more from the quarterback position. His team's not doing him many favors. No. It's not like wide receivers are making ridiculous catches outside of last two weeks ago. Don Jennings has a great catch. Keith Kirkwood has a great catch. Nobody made ridiculous catches in that game versus UConn. There were a lot of drop passes. If he, if Isaiah Wright had caught, caught that touchdown to tie the game and Aaron Bumeri comes and hits that extra, uh, field goal and they win the game, this is a completely different tune. They're talking about how Logan Marchie moved the ball on a game-winning drive mm-hmm. or a game-tying drive and the team rallied around them. Mm-hmm. Instead, Isaiah Wright drops it. They went for it on fourth and didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. That was, I think, well, he dropped it on third down, then yes. they went for it on fourth. They went for it on fourth and didn't get it. Didn't get mm-hmm. it. Instead, they're, yeah, and then the Brian Sheriff thing happened right after that. It'd be a completely different tune. Instead, people are making calling for his head. Put up decent numbers. This is probably a situation where the stats lie a little bit because uh, there were a lot of David Hood making plays with his feet yards. I don't think he's the reason he lost this game. I really don't. I think he's... No, but at what point do you put 
do you hold other players responsible? It can't always be the quarterback. Oh, no. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the quarterback play has been... I mean, it's been iffy. Like, you know, I thought... I thought Against UConn, I thought he wasn't the reason they lost. Right. But, you know, and let's say those seven drops don't happen. I mean, he's thrown for 400-plus yards. Right. Probably two, two touchdowns. I mean, he did throw And they're throw probably that. winning by 10, 14 points. Yeah, but that one pick he threw, I know he said it got tipped after the game. Got Maybe they got a fingertip on it, yeah. but... It didn't. It that, didn't was, that might be the worst pass I've seen. Throw. In yeah, that was that was an awful throw. That was that was the one. I mean, that was the one major mistake mistake he made. We were saying before the game, I think that he had to make like three major mistakes. He made one, and that cost them. Um, but I, I mean, I thought overall he played well enough for them to probably win this game. The running game was not good enough. No. The defense was not good enough. The receivers were not good enough. I don't think you could put this on Logan Marchie, although. I get you know some where some of the frustration comes from. I don't know how much you can put the lack of a running game on the players either. They their two main running backs, Armstead and Hood, ran 15 times. Like it's not like they were force feeding mm-hmm. it down. They decided coming to this game we're going to throw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe at a certain point after that pick six, maybe Armstead looked kind of sort of healthy. David yeah. Hood looked fine. Maybe you could actually give them more carries. Yep. Instead of bringing in okay, you brought Sean Bradley in for two carries. David Hood didn't look gassed. No. Why didn't you give the ball more, David? I mean, he did go out for what a couple of plays when he hopped off and limped off. But yeah, apparently he got a game. little bit banged up. Yeah, but he came back enough to have eight catches. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the Owls will travel to Army this weekend. We will travel to yeah, Army this Owls. weekend too. Yeah. The scoop making the trip. Anyway, <laughs> what, what do you got? What are the initial observations? Obviously, the triple option, a lot of young linebackers on the Owls. Then they're going to have to defend it for the first time. They're going to play Army, and then they do play Navy after the bye next week. Just observations on this game and what the Owls have to do to kind of maybe right the ship this week. I think I think it's an interesting game in that it, it, this could turn into a very decisive game in either direction. Um, it's not a simple game in that the, the triple option is, is it's not easy to defend. They they like Jeff said yesterday. The main focus, the reason they do it, is they try to get your eyes to go all over the place. It, it's simple. If you get up on them and you get a lead on them, if you get a couple touchdown lead and Ahmad Bradshaw has to throw the ball, they're done. He is 7 of 30 for 116 yards this year. He's completed 23.3% of his passes, which, again, it's not necessarily an eye-popping stat because it's not what they do, but it's you know different program, but look at what they did. They, they punched Navy in the mouth last year. They got behind. Navy was done. Um, this obviously, and I'm sure Dave Patton and Jeff Collins know this, this, this cannot be a game where you're throwing the ball 50 times, 40 times, you know. And, and the other tricky thing is Army hasn't been terrible on defense this year. If you look mm. at their national numbers, they're not bad. They throw a lot of funky defensive fronts at you, but they have to, obviously, if you can, look, if you have a two-play 70-yard drive that results in a touchdown, I'm going to sound like Chip Kelly when I say this, you take the points, but if they go three and out, three and out, three and out, they're done. But if Temple gets a lead on them, then Army's done. This is a this is a winnable game, uh, but it's one where they could easily let it get out of control. Uh, you hit on this in introducing the topic. Uh, the one area of concern I have is these young linebackers. I will say this, they're a hell of a lot more athletic than Avery Williams, Stephon Marshall, and the guys of the past, so they could get to the edge better. Um, and like Jeff said yesterday, Sean Chandler, Delvon Randall, those guys know how to set the edge. The defensive uh, ends know how to set the edge. Shree Finch is going to be out in the first half of this game because of the targeting penalty. But if they play good, sounds cliche, if they play good gap assignment football, um, 
then they should win this game. But if Army has its way with time of possession, that's going to be a, a long afternoon for Temple. Yeah, I think this is a standard Army team where the defense numbers look probably a little better than they are because you have a running game that keeps yeah. the ball for 39 minutes a game. It's like how Sivadazio's Temple teams would already put up great defensive numbers, and there were talent on those teams, but you also had the ball for 35 minutes a game running because mm-hmm. Bernard Pierce and Matt Brown were just grinding out drives. Uh, I don't think they've beaten anybody of note. They almost lost to a very bad Eastern Michigan team. Mm-hmm. I think Ahmad Bradshaw, who unfortunately is not the running back that used to play for the Giants. <laughs> no. uh, I think he misses Edgar Allan Poe a lot. I don't think there's anybody on this team that can actually catch the ball. His name, real name was Edgar yeah, Allan Poe. Yeah, I know. They have like an all-name team. Yeah. Like they're, they're tremendous. <laughs> but they, last year they had two wide receivers, and the Poe brothers actually caught balls. They don't have that talent this yeah. year. I think... The most important people in this game by far. First of all, they almost lost to a bad Buffalo team. They got blown out at Ohio State. That's fine. And they lost late. at Tulane. Yep. They haven't played anybody. They haven't beaten anybody. They're five and two, which is great for Army. And it's they beat they legitimately beat Temple last year. The most important people in this game, thankfully for Temple, might be their two best players on defense and Sean Chandler and Delvon Randall. I think the safeties are imperative to shutting down the option. Those are two guys that have had success in shutting down the option. They've set <laughs> the edge. They've been able to play well. They need to have great games, and fortunately for Temple, Delvon Randall's playing the best football of his life. Yeah. So he's probably not going to continue a streak of getting an interception just because they're not going to throw the ball, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Delvon Randall have 10, 12, 14 tackles in this game. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I think this is this is certainly a winnable game. I mean, I look at I look at Army, and, I mean, they're good in time of possession, obviously. They run the ball really well. Um, I mean, in time of possession, they, they average about 34 minutes per game. That's number six in the country. Um you know, Ahmad Bradshaw has has led the second best rushing offense in, in the country. So th- this is, a, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for Temple in that they're probably only going to have like seven or eight possessions right. to work with, yeah. um, unless the defense can get off the field quickly. Not many teams or are able to do that. Yeah. yeah, not many teams are able to do that against Army. But I mean, yeah, like Kyle said, I mean, they don't have many convincing wins. I mean, they they beat East, Eastern Michigan by one. I mean, they blew out Rice, but that's you know, Rice is Rice. They 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 don't have any any convincing wins. Uh, they lost to Tulane, which is you know, a three and three AAC team that that's probably pretty comparable with Temple this year. So I, I think this should be a game where you know, if the offense can can move the ball and score a little bit early, I think I think that's huge. Maybe maybe Raquel Armstead's a little bit healthier this week, so they can run him a little bit more. I think. The run game, getting that going, and whether it's David Hood or or Raquel Armstead or even Rich Rivado, they need to get more of a run game going than last week. I think that'll be big. So yeah, I look at this as a game that that certainly, on paper, I think they they should have a good chance to win. You know, they, the last time a Jeff Collins defense played the option uh, when he was uh, when he was oh, at Western he Carolina. He told you that. You know what it actually wrong. was the two thousand December thirty first, two thousand fourteen Orange Bowl. Mississippi State, Jeff Collins' last game as defensive coordinator at Mississippi State, lost to Georgia Tech 49-34. to You know a lot of things about Jeff Collins in his past. Well, I mean, that's a pretty searchable thing. 49 yeah. points were given up last time. Friends, so Temple, can, Temple cannot give up 49 points. Yeah, the Army is set, so our Army's 75th nationally rushing defense. They're allowing 170, a little more than 170 yards a game, and they've allowed 10 rushing touchdowns. That is, again, here's their schedule. Fordham, Buffalo, Ohio State, Tulane, UTEP, Rice, and Eastern Michigan. If this, if you're a Temple fan, you do not want to hear after this game. If you, if we're talking to Rockwell Armstead after this game, you say, "Yeah, I felt pretty good," and it's a loss, then there's a problem. They should be able to run the ball against these guys. Um, 
A couple other interesting stats. So, I mean, this isn't surprising. They're 14 of 20 on fourth downs this year, 70%, because, again, they, they just want to keep the, the, the clock going. Their opponents are 7 of 10 on fourth down against them this year. So that's a decent amount of fourth, fourth down attempts, which tells you that they want to keep the clock going because they don't want to hand the ball back to them. I will tell you just as a quick point of reference, and he's mentioned in our in our mailbag, um, Zach Gelb, who works at 920, the 920, 970? The 920. 920. So Zach was able to talk to Army's coach, and I told him to post the interview, and we'd post it. It's really candid, and he was just basically like, yeah, I don't, we basically was like, yeah, I mean, they're a much more talented team than Couple. we are. Yeah, yeah. No, saying we don't, we don't look at any, we don't look at really like any matchup and say that's a favorable matchup for us. And he like was really, really honest. He's a good guy. Uh, but this is this is a game that Temple should win. But again, the variables are there where they could lose it. But again, I, I know it's easy for me to say it, but it's pretty simple. You run the ball, you're not gonna win the time of possession battle against them, but if if they try to throw the ball forty times and, and they're three and out, then I just I, then I don't know what they're doing. So one guy who will be critically important to this game is Sean Bradley, one of the linebackers. And on Tuesday at practice, he earned the number one jersey for this week. And he spoke to Matt and John at practice just about you know what that means to him and what it's going to be like to stop the triple option this week. So here's that audio. What does it mean for you to have number one for the week? Um, I mean, it, I mean, I got, yeah, it means a lot. Uh, it means that maybe my hard work is paying off a little bit for me. But uh, yeah, other than that, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing. When did you find out about it? This morning? Yeah, this morning. What did the coaches tell you? They just announced it in the team meeting, kind of, and just gave me the jersey and just pat me on my back. Said, good job. Keep doing what you're doing. What does that mean to you? Uh, that, that my hard work's paying off, I guess, in some way. I'm just trying to be a leader for this team, so that, that's pretty much what my goal is. I just took it and accepted it and just going to keep playing. That's part of that job being a leader is you got to get last week that taste out of your mouth. Talk about getting that in the past and leaving it on the face on Yeah, definitely. Um, we lost to them last year, and last week really hurt. So this week we got to hone in a little more than usual. Sean, what have you guys been doing just to prepare for Army's offense? I know last year Matt said that you guys they put Gertrell Simpson at quarterback and just to move around back there. So what have you guys done just to prepare yeah, for that? We got some defensive guys that are uh, with the twos, some with, maybe some of the ones playing a little scout team offense for us to give us a little better look. Other than that, we're just going harder, pushing scout team players to play better. Saquon's uh, really helping us, Saquon Jefferson, um, to Jeremiah Toki, and who else is out there? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Casey Williams sometimes. It's so different than any offense you're used to facing. How much of a challenge is that to, to switch gears and get ready for that triple option? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. I've never played against a triple option team before, so for me, this is new to me. So right now, practice is starting. So I can't imagine what's going to be like in the game. Sean, when you look at the linebacker core just as a whole from game one this year at Notre Dame, where you gave up over 400 yards to now, just where would you, where would you say you guys are at as a whole? We're a lot better. Um, Notre Dame was. Beginning of, beginning of the thing for us, so we were kind of new and everything like that. But now I think we're pretty getting, getting to be stable a little bit. How much of an adjustment has it has it been for you because you came in as a, as a high school running back, quarterback, you played a bunch of different positions in high school. Just how much of a transition has it been for you? It was a big difference. I never played defense in high school that much. I played probably like maybe eight snaps of a defense. So coming in here and now where I'm at now, is just, I like it better. I like playing defense. I'd rather give a hit before I take one. You got some carries last week. I mean, are you still taking some reps at running back? Yes, yeah, I'm still getting work and stuff like that, but close. Hopefully, close come back. So, you know, goes without saying. I don't know where I'm going to be with running back, but 
Yeah. Matt's, Matt, Matt Rule said last year that you, you kind of just like having the ball in your hands. Do you, do you, do you like playing running back? You just I love with it. a couple carries? Yeah, I like I like running the ball a lot. It's, I mean, I don't know. I just get excited, especially when you don't play it as much. College, you play, it in deep, you play defense a lot, so getting the ball is fun. All right, so obviously last week we were all wrong. <laughs> this week it's time to write the ship. We were wrong. Prediction time. It was. It wasn't even close. Yeah, like, we were all predicting blowouts. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who you got this week? Well, I, I like Ar- I think I think Army's gonna gonna win this in a in a close close one. Um, so I'll go Army. Go Army twenty seven. Temple twenty four. Entering today, I would have thought the same thing as Matt. I kind of get the gut feeling that. I'm going to use gut a lot in the sense. Like, I get the gut feeling that this is a gut check game for them. I can almost see Delvon Randall and Sean Chandler like, rallying the troops on this. I think Temple wins in a ugly fashion 24-17. I am going to predict Temple to win this game 31-28. I did a, a quick interview with the Inside the Nest guys on, on Al Sports Update. And I yesterday, this was literally just yesterday, I said, you know what, right now I'm going to predict the – I think it's a winnable game for Temple, but I think Army wins. I said, but – catch me later in the week and I, I this is a game that they have to win sure. um i think they win with a late aaron bomeri field goal I'll, I'll take temple 31 28 where do we where do we get your autograph <laughs> if they don't if they don't win this game i'll <laughs> I can sign it for you right now if they don't win this game i'll see you he just did i'll see you know signing days because there's two of them now because if they don't win this game the season's over yeah I'm doing, the, I'm doing the opposite of logic this week because last week we all thought they'd destroy UConn. Right. They don't. This week we all, f- like most of us, feel like Army could probably beat them. So I'll take Temple 20 to 17. So now transitioning to the hard court, some basketball talk here. Media day practice observations over the last week or so. Um, Matt, John, you guys have been taking it all in. What have you guys observed so far from this Temple team that does return a lot of talent and has brought in a lot of talent? Well, Matt's one of the few people that gets to spend a lot of time around the program and gets to stay an extra long time in practice. <laughs> so uh, ah, it's fortunate to, ah. uh, fortunate to be there a lot. Oh, I'm already blocked, so I don't, yeah. I don't care. Unblock uh, me and block me. Yeah, I mean, we, so we've been talking a lot about you know people have been asking us for predictions for starting lineups and stuff like that. I mean, this is this is an important season for Fran Dunphy. It's an important season for the program. Uh, they have four good recruits coming in. This is probably I think one of the deepest, if not the deepest, potentially yes. deepest teams that Fran's had in a long time. Um, I think there's no excuse for them not to be a tournament team this year. Schedule's good. Uh, versatility's good. Josh Brown is back. You know, he keeps saying, oh, I'm about 90, 95%. I mean, he should be at 100%. He's had mm-hmm. more than enough time to, Are any to of rest us truly his kids. 100%. I'm, not. I'm like 63%. Really? <laughs> just in general. What's ailing you? I just try to stay over 50%. Uh, yeah. High fructose corn syrup. <laughs> General fatigue. A. I, I love wings a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, they they should be good. I mean, I think they'll be a fun team to watch this year. They have to be better defensively. Um, I, I think J.P. Mormon has a chance to be a real contributor. He, can, he looks like he's shooting the ball really well. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, I, have, you know, I think there there's a chance for this team to be very, very versatile, even a couple versatile post options. And then if, if Justin Hamilton contributes anything, whether he stretches people out and he can – all of a sudden the kid can shoot threes mm-hmm. – um, 
they have versatility at every position, and you have a, a, a kid in Quentin Rose who really, really elevated his game this summer. And again, now you have a couple guys that can bring the ball up the floor. Fran Dunphy never puts a ton of emphasis on that. He'll say, yeah, if I have a point guard, that's great, but whoever can bring the ball up the floor and start get the offense going, that's great. But, um, I mean, there's the schedule allows for opportunities to get big wins. Uh, I, I think if they don't get to the tournament, it's a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is going to be this is going to be an interesting year and a fun year, I think, to cover the team. Okay. I mean, I look at oh, the depth is the de- it's it's a deep team. I mean, at every position, I mean, you go three deep at center. You you have plenty of forwards to pick from. You're deep at guard. I mean, you're, you're deep everywhere. Um, and for a team that or for a program that that gets a lot of gets a lot of heat for for the way they've recruited, this is a well stocked team just throughout. Um, you know, one thing that I've kind of picked up over the over the past week or so, just just from being around practice and and talking to talking to Dumphy and, and some players, uh, Josh Brown told me at media day. I was, I was asking about Nate Pierre Louis, the, fr- the freshman combo guard from uh, Roselle Catholic, and you know, conventional wisdom would probably say behind returning Alani Moore and behind Josh Brown, who's obviously going to be the starter this year at point guard, you would think, well, Pierre Louis might not have a, might not have much of a chance there. But every, you know, the, what Dumphy said and what Fran, uh, or what Josh Fran Brown, Brown, Fran Brown, back <laughs> Baylor, he coached some games this year. Be great. Well, what Josh Brown Coach said. Almost, man. <laughs> I don't care what you got to do. Uh, but yeah, they 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 they've both said what Nate gives them defensively and just how much of a dog mm-hmm. he is defensively. They all they think he's going to be able to contribute right away just because yeah. he's so fast, so athletic. Um, you know, I think he's going to be he's going to be a problem defensively, and maybe he gives them a little bit more on defense with his size and speed than Alani does. So that's that's one thing that I've that I've kind of picked up on. Another thing that you brought up, Justin Hamilton can shoot. So can JP Mormon. I mean, both of them have 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 really nice touches. So one thing Fran Dunphy told me is he thinks JP Mormon's going to be able to shoot forty plus percent from three this year. Uh, and I saw I saw him just shooting threes before practice the other day, and he was knocking them down. And that's one thing I didn't really know going in how good of a shooter he would be. Mm-hmm. But it, it looks like he's really improved that shot. Um, Fran Fran said on. The defensive end, he still has some work to do, obviously, like all the freshmen. But JP, I think, has, has improved his shot from high school. I mean, if you watch his high school tape, I don't think he's he's nearly the three-point shooter is that is that he is now. So that's one big thing. Justin Hamilton, if he's able to play this year, he'll be able to help stretch the four as a maybe even a, as a four with Ernest and Damian. Um, but I'll be really interested to see how all of these freshmen can contribute because I think all of them are talented and, and big enough to, to contribute. Let me ask you this. So Sports Illustrated did this thing today where they previewed the American. Uh, just give me your general thoughts on this. They actually broke down like predicted stats. for. They call it the Temple's top seven players. They include Trey Lowe in it. I think that might have been an oversight. So we'll do top six. First of all, they think Temple's going to go 10-8 and eight in conference. Agree, disagree, just quick knee-jerk reaction. Disagree. Disagree <sighs> low, disagree high. Like I think throw. that's too low for them. I think that's. I think they'll be better in conference. I think they'll be a little bit better. A little bit better. I think it's going to be a tough conference this year. Yeah, I oh. think. But they could go eleven. And f- yeah. yeah, I think they could. I think they could go a little bit yeah. better. Obi you fifteen point six rebounds. I think that's a tad high for him, only because of the versatility on this roster. Yeah, I'll say points. I don't think he's. I don't. I think he's more in the like twelve range because of the depth. But I think rebounds. If you average six, six rebounds, I think you'd, you'd be happy with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Shizalston, thirteen, three and a half, three and a half. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Quentin Rose, thirteen, five and two. Yeah, that sounds about right. I might too. take the over on the point total. I, there. I might take the over on that too. Yeah. I think I think Quinn Rose might be in that fifteen point game yeah. range. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Brown seven and a half, three rebounds, two and a half assists a game. I think that's low on assists. 
I think I might be low on points too, just with yeah. like a Fran Dumphy. I feel like with a senior car, the way he's only doing seven and a half points a game is if he only plays like twenty five minutes a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think he's really going to benefit from playing with Shiz Austin this year. That's that's another thing that we haven't really talked about. And at media day, that was a big talking point. I think I think that's going to be a, 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 a really interesting combo because they haven't been able to play a lot together. Alani Moore, seven points, two rebounds, two assists, playing like twenty five minutes a game. I think it's high. I'll say this: a couple of guys have said he had a really good off season. Uh, it's an important season for him, but I think Alani's a great kid. But it's a tough, it's um, it's a tough physical league, and he's he's a shorter guy and needs to be like really, really dynamically quick to make an impact. And um, yeah, you made a great point uh, in that you know Nate, like you said, Nate conventional wisdom would have suggested that maybe he doesn't play a whole lot this year. If if Nate can defend, he's going to find his way into games. Yeah, because the guys will get a quick hook if they're not defending well. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, Ernest Flackby, I'll say right now I would sign off for this in a second. Six points, six boards, 22 minutes a game. Yeah, I'd sign off for that. Yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd take that. And I, I think that's in line with, with what you should expect out of him about yeah. that. And then, yeah, they had Trey Lowe after five points a game. I don't think you'll see Trey Lowe this year. No, no, Trey Lowe's probably not going to play this year. So we were talking about Obi and Echione earlier and his points, rebounds, and assists. And, and John and Matt had a chance to talk with him at Media Day. And after starting off really well last season, early on in those games against Florida State and West Virginia, really had some momentum going. Then he kind of faded towards the end of the year. So John and Matt were able to talk to him about you know responding to last year and, and how that end of the season played out for him. Yeah, it was. Um, a lot of teams, like you said, they figured out how to guard me. I didn't make it diff- difficult enough for them. Um, I made things easy by just standing on the perimeter and settling for jump shots. So um, this, this offseason has been big for that. I've been working on um, being able to do more. Again, like I said, just um, being more, having more options on the court, being more of a weapon offensively. So. How did they guard you differently? Um, you know, yeah, um, they just switch every screen. Um, and if I can't, like last year, if I'm not a, a force in the post, then they just put a small person on me and they can just switch every screen. So um, that was definitely something that I saw in the film and I made an effort to improve this year, just being able to, um, you know, use those mismatches to my advantage. Right, and so, you know, there's Obi talking about how he kind of hit a wall last year. And I think sometimes people tend to say, like, this this team will go as far as Obi and Echionia can take them. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's a critical piece to the team. You've said that, right? I said that, like, last night. In this Not yeah. just him. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if, you know, I, I think if he gets it, and again, I don't, I, don't think he, I don't think he needs to be their leading scorer every night. But, yeah, if he, you know, in that clip you hear him saying, like, yeah, I need to learn how to post up better, create my own shot better. Um, like one of the things I said to him was, you know, a lot of people would kill to have your shot because he can really, really spin the ball well. But if he's more versatile and as cheesy as it sounds, like not force the issue but but create those opportunities for himself, then that's that's a great, great thing for this program. But I, I think he, I think he gets where his game needs to go, and if it does, again, I think they have a chance to be a very, very good team. It's now time for our sometimes serious and sometimes silly mailbag. We appreciate all the questions on Twitter and the message boards. First question comes from John Joseph. Hi, this is John from Delaware, and I'd like to know why we haven't heard from John Turlucky in a few years. Yeah, so John, uh, this a little tribute to John. John it was the, the guy, used to work with me here at Temple, is now a teacher, a high school teacher in Delaware, encouraged me to start doing a podcast, encouraged us to start doing a podcast and called it The Scoop. That's a little tribute to him. I said if he can get his butt up here, drive up 95, we'll have him on the show one day. So 
Thanks, buddy. Create, creation of the scoopers. Yeah. Next question for, comes from Tom Ignuto. Continuing the conversation from Saturday, because we're going to West Point this weekend, which press boxes are above slash below the line? I'd say West Point's is above the line. West Point's is above beautiful the line. Beautiful trip. Yeah. A lot of foliage you're going to see. Yeah, yeah. see a lot of trees. Yeah. Right? Beautiful. The fall? Lake. I'm excited about it's it. It's supposed to be like 72. Matt will uh, wake up from the time we leave my house and however time he's wake up like, oh, it'll be a great time. <laughs> <laughs> No. I don't know. I hope that I hope the trip takes a while because I'm looking to get a nice nap in before the game. <laughs> yeah. That's above the line. I think the links slightly above the line. I think that's fine because it's an yeah. NFL press yeah. box. Penn State's has gotten better. It's still below the line, but the food's great. Notre Dame's was above the line. Yeah, pretty solid. Um, Navy's below the line. Rutgers yeah. is above the line. They have they have all these different types of food. Yeah, but yeah. it's the actual press boxes. What did Rutgers? What did Rutgers provide after? They the provide game beer afterwards. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's, that's another reason why they're both. So the people line. ignore yeah. the fact that they're the worst power five team in the land. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say. What were we talking about? Which one's below the line? Navy. Yeah, Navy was just woefully underprepared yeah, for everything terrible. last year. Dalton hates Navy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was the, I was on the bleachers. They made Dalton their, say with the peasants. Respects their, <laughs> respects their service, hates the press box. Uh, Akron was terrible. Akron, we went out Akron, Akron. an asbestos tile just <laughs> fell on me halfway yeah. through, and the guy like yelled at me like it was my fault. Yeah. Considering yeah. Raymond James Stadium is an NFL stadium, that is not a nice press box at all. It yeah. looks like, I mean, that stadium's, I guess, like 15 years old. It looks yeah. like it's like... Ray J is going to be rocking. That's probably Tiger. We're probably a little spoiled because the Eagles have so many beat writers and so many like members of the press corps that the press box is like an area of focus. press corps. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> some uh, some people that cover Temple might take themselves a little too seriously, but like Jacksonville, I'm sure their press box is dumb because yeah. the only people covering Jacksonville live in like London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fighting Will Cummings. Of, I, I'm trying to think of any other uh, press boxes. Uh, I mean, Heinz Field was nice when we had to go cover uh, Pitt, but they're an NFL press box. But I would say I, I like I like Army. Good food. Maryland was Maryland below the line. Yeah, Maryland they give us popcorn as a meal. So I'm a yeah. growing boy. I, <laughs> yeah. I eat a lot of calories, and you're giving me popcorn. Uh, that as that, my that meal. Maryland game provided us with some of the greatest video footage of all time. We were talking to Chuck Heater, and that YouTube video <laughs> scans in on Kyle. <laughs> If uh, somebody, please, if you're listening to this, uh, and hopefully there's more than somebody listening, look up, just Google, uh, look up on YouTube, Chuck Heater, Temple, Maryland, and you will, if you watch closely enough, you will see Kyle, Kyle's face creeping in. It's funny, trust me. I have resting bitch face on, too. Yes, you did, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. Temple just win by, like, that was the game that Bernard Pierce scored, like, five touchdowns, Ran for five touchdowns, Chester went nine of nine. Yeah, and he, like, threw a touchdown pass to Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, they dominated that game. I mean, the students left by the second quarter. They just dominated that game. And Chuck Heater's defense played awesome, and I was still just like, I don't care. Yeah, you see, he started off. What a great day to be an owl! Yeah. Next next question comes from Sean Ramson on Twitter. It's been a disappointing season, but why is it the talent, coaching, adjustment to a new staff, lack of discipline? Something is wrong, but what is? I think this is probably what we try to write about every week, right? Um, It's a little probably a combination of them all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think at certain areas they're a little bit short on talent, especially depth-wise. I think Jeff Collins touched on it last or or, or, as press conference on Tuesday how they're trying to build elite depth at every position. Mm -hmm. That's what he says. So they don't have that right now. Coaching, I think the play calling on offense could be better. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he also we we were talking about this on the way back. I think Jeff Collins has made it readily made it known that either he or somebody is reading stuff. He basically references like. Yeah, I've seen this reference. I've seen this transitional. He referenced season. Mintel's tweet. He yeah, like um, he he said he was like, look, we don't we don't 
we don't get into this. This is a transitional year. We want to win games, which is what he's supposed to say. But um, sure, there's going to be an adjustment to new staff. What bothers me is like a lack of discipline. I think the talent's there. By no means am I saying that they are replete with NFL talent, but I think they have enough talent to be better mm-hmm. than they are. But yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're hearing some stuff that like I, I maybe another question. Uh, actually, it's the next question, so I'll, I'll save it for that. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of a little bit of everything. Next question comes from dblaze 75 on the message boards. The sidelines during the game seem to lack excitement and energy among the players. Collins is known for his sideline annex, money down, juice points, etc. and really emphasizes players being engaged and pumped up. Has Collins' shtick grown old already among the players? How do you sense the players view these antics? Or is this the case of as long as we are winning, it is all good? No, I'm saying he said in his question, he says, I, uh, I noticed there isn't any mention of Apex Predator of the Week anymore, so I'm not sure if Collins is dialing back some of his stuff. Nope. No. Uh, what were you going to say? Going in, we even talked about this before the game. When they start off the game, opening kickoff, they're swaying, and they're going nuts on the sideline. It looks like no other sideline you see in college football. It looks like they're completely juiced and completely focused. They get punched in the mouth by UConn, that sideline becomes silent. Mm-hmm. I don't think that falls on the coaches, even though last year or two years ago, Matt Rule said, nobody's providing juice on the sideline. I'll be the juice. Friend mm-hmm. the <laughs> yeah, remember he said, uh, Joy was talking to me, and she's like, you guys, these coaches need to be more juiced. That was after so the Army game last yeah, year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it was a problem last year. I think they get punched in the mouth. I think it becomes silent. I think that falls on senior leadership, upperclassmen leadership. Yeah. I think these freshmen, are they all won in high school. They expect to come into a winning program. They're facing some adversity, and they're not necessarily handling it the best. Will they grow from it? I don't know. I'm not a psychic. If I'm Sean Chandler, if I'm Delvon Randall, if I'm... I guess Logan Marchie. It falls on you to generate that juice on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Next question comes via email from Mike from the Great Northeast. Hey, Al Scoopers, <coughs> when is it time to try someone else full-time at quarterback? I've had it up to here with Collins, not giving anyone else a shot. Thanks. Hope you hope you guys have worked great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they're not going to – well, didn't we ask – we asked Jeff about this. What, you asked him? No. Uh, he was asked about this yesterday. He expects Logan to play. Logan was in a boot, probably a protective measure. I, I think – here's the deal. I think they feel – it tells you how they feel about the rest of the quarterbacks. Now, we haven't talked about this yet, but Dave Patton did say that they're going to redshirt Todd Santeo. Mm-hmm. He confirmed this, what, yesterday or Carlin's Monday? Carlin's confirmed it on Monday, yep. So they're not going to touch Todd Santeo. We've been over the Anthony Russo stuff. He isn't. He just has not been good enough to play. I think there's a drop-off, at least in terms of the way he throws the ball on arm strength. Um, it tells you what they think of the quarterbacks. And I think, again, I think while while Logan has made some mistakes and my Twitter mentions will we'll say otherwise, you know, yeah, I think he still gives them the best chance to win. So I think that I, I don't think it's time to give someone else a shot. The, a lot of those other people had a shot to win the job in camp. Um, I would be okay with Frank Utah going in the game, but I think he should hand the ball off more. I don't know if he has Logan's arm strength, but again, has Logan been perfect? <laughs> Absolutely not. He's made some critical mistakes, but I don't think it's anything you're going to see anytime soon. Uh, two things. One, NCAA, close your ears. If you're going to try to claim that Todd Santel is going to get a medical red shirt, please stop mentioning a press conference about how he's dominating the scout team, that yeah. he's, he's being yep. your yeah. running back. If he has an injury, let him have an injury. Yeah, uh, That is a rookie head coach mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth year Matt Rule wouldn't have made that mistake. Um, <laughs> and for when will there be another shot? Logan March, is your quarterback this year. You want the yeah. next chance that you have a uh, different full-time quarterback April of 2018 in the Cherry and White game. Trap Betty will be on campus in early enrollee. Todd Santeo will be a redshirt freshman. Yeah. I think this is still good. I don't think by any means you're like, well, Logan March is your starter for the next two and a half years. I think it's going to be an open competition every yeah. offseason. If and Trap Betty shows what he's doing, he's dominating high school right now with Kyle Wright. That might be an undersold part of this as they secured their two verbals. We'll see. April. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Cat's day. 
Yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from Tom Hanslin. Should Cordoba be served before, during, and after, and after media availability on Tuesdays? Asking for a friend. I think that would make us all pretty sick. Yeah, it would. Yeah. How about Tyler, just after? <laughs> Tyler Matakevich like lived off that stuff. He would yeah, come in after. He the would press come. Him. Yeah. It's like peeking in. <laughs> one, one week I was like Tyler. Was, oh, hey guys, what's <laughs> up, John? Uh, he just come in yeah. like queso and rice. I'm like, I cannot be Tyler was all, actually all over the field on Sunday. Yeah, he actually played, he's, he's definitely playing more. Um, Mope got injured, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, almost got a deflection on one of the throws to the end zone from Alex Smith. Real quick, completely, let's not delve into it all. Matt Ionite is playing a hell of a year. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, certainly he is. is having a really nice year. What, three and a half sacks? Three and a half sacks. Yeah. Got cut last year. Didn't even make the team. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. now he's three and a half sacks. Yeah. Next question comes from Bud Knapp. Will Bud Knapp ever cover a type of football game again? Yes, and I said to Bud, we don't answer. I said a guy who asks questions about himself references uh, or violates our, our policy on people who talk about themselves and questions. Then Kyle shot back with some tremendous stuff. Well, you want to read the rules to well, people? Well, Bud said, I, I've never seen rules. Please present them. them. Present them. So yeah. I said, okay, I'll put together rules. Uh, the Scoop. AlScoop.com's weekly podcast mailback rules. Number one, which Dalton does every week. Make sure that the mailbag is sometimes silly and sometimes serious. <laughs> Number two, make sure it's actually a question. I'm not doing talk about stuff here. Yeah. Make sure it's actually a question. Three, no questions about yourself, bud. Four, no profanities and answers, parentheses Kyle. Uh, <laughs> five, no questions that lead to a John DiCarlo long-winded story about the time he got stood up at a date at Discovery Zone in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> middle school John DiCarlo was not going on dates. Was he going to the Discovery Zone? Bounce House? Like, remember Discovery Zone? You used to be on 100? Uh, right down near like the uh, like Produce Junction like thing? Nah. Middle School John DiCarlo was like hanging out. Like we'll go to the Exton Mall. And, and I hear they're building Cinnabon. Why <laughs> <laughs> did I talk like Mickey Mouse? I was learning to title Middle School John DiCarlo had not hit puberty. Either you hadn't hit puberty or you had a full beard. Those were the two options. You have, you have pictures of me that you could just took completely black. Right. Number yeah. six, no non-revenue sport questions. This is not a shot at non-revenue sports. Other than that, I just don't know anything about non-revenue sports anymore. <laughs> Couldn't tell you who's on the women's field hockey team. Men's soccer seems like they're bad. Women's soccer seems like bad. I don't know what to tell you. Number seven, time allotted per answer. Matt, 30 to 45 seconds. John, 15 to 30 seconds. <laughs> 120 to 180 seconds. Dalton pointed this out. I did leave Dalton out of this, and that is oversight on my part. Dalton gets more than John. Less than Matt. Less <laughs> Brad show up. So yeah, exactly. Many you got to be there. Get, practice <laughs> dictates how many seconds you get in the podcast. <laughs> Number eight, no asking how long Fran Dumpy's contract is. Yeah. And Number nine, stop asking me about Anthony Russo. Yes, yeah. yes. That should, that should be yeah. number one on the list probably. So there you go, bud. <laughs> Next question comes from the Temple Temperers. Is Zach Gelb above the line this week? It depends. Are we talking about Zach Galb or his new goatee? The goatee is below the line. Galb himself uh, is above the line. Yeah. He looks like. Well, he's, he's going to be on vacation, so. I he don't looks know. like he's like the backup mascot for the Buccaneers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's a guy like in training, and they're like, someday, like we're a developmental program. Someday he's going to be the mascot. He's the fourth musketeer. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen him first. Zach Galb's always above the line. Yeah, he is. And I, like I said, uh, if we have a, a, if he gets us a link to his interview with Army's coach, we'll get that out to you. It's good stuff. Next question comes from Rockland Al on the message boards. Is it an advantage or disadvantage that Temple gets to play Army and Navy back Good back? question. I think normal years it's a disadvantage because you're so beat up after playing a service team. Like Notre Dame always plays poorly after they play Navy because they're so chop-locked to hell. You have a bye week in between. I think it's an advantage because you stay in the same defensive formations, you stay in the same attitude, but you get the week in between the recover. Yeah, you get two weeks of cut them up Tuesdays. Cut them up Tuesdays. It's not even alliteration. Why is it cut them up Tuesdays? Before I get to this, let me tell you about cut them up Tuesdays. There's one kid, and then he goes on for like five minutes. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> next next question comes from Temple Sports Guy. You can eat at one place on campus. What is it? This Wait, is a lame I... question, Temple Sports Guy. Oh man. <laughs> we've gotten we've gotten asked this plenty of is there times. A White Castle on campus. Let's 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 Fran Dunphy this. Appreciate the question. I'm a big Orient Express guy. It's the Chinese place next to Richie's. Absolutely. Are you sponsored by them? Love. Yes, that's always your answer. Love that guy. Love that guy. He is a, he is a dynamic human being. Chinese food is, is is just about as good as anything you'll get in the city. If you eat anywhere else for Chinese food on this campus, you're making a mistake. I'm making the same cop out I do every time I am based at the health science campus. You want food recommendations up there, by all means, come see me. It's Philly Pretzel Factory. Subway. No, we have, we have better trucks up there than down here, to be yeah. honest. Really? Yeah. Shots fired. Yeah. Uh, my, mine's whatever food I can get the quickest. Dalton's all about efficiency. Dalton's a food. In and out. <laughs> what, if Dalton, what if the Philadelphia Inquirer came to you and said, like, we're going to pay you like 75 grand a year, you're going to be our food critic? You'd probably turn them down, right? <laughs> I could cr- critique. Dalton, what, if, what if I came to you and I said, instead of eating, I can provide you with 10 IVs a week and you can just inject on the way, on the way to your next set? <laughs> I think Dalton would be all about it. <laughs> all about the efficiency. Wow. Burger Fry's pretty good, though. If you can get in there, the line's so damn long all the time. Not yeah. usually. Not usually when I can. Maybe for you. Dalton, VIP. What does that mean? Maybe Dalton's for you. Dalton's a VIP. <laughs> yeah. They see you at the door. Oh, it's Rolf. Just come right this way. Someone's got to come get you. Uh, we're closed, <laughs> Mr. DiCarlo. We're closed. It's 1230. We're closed. I said we're closed. <laughs> Matt, what about you? What do you got? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Chipotle a lot. I eat Chipotle. Probably it's the, the, the out-of-the-way place. The out-of-the-way place. Yeah. Some of his old haunts. <laughs> Non-chain guy. Great and answer. Next question comes from Varun Kumar. You, Kyle, and there Matt is. are driving on a road trip to cover a game. If only one person gets the aux cord for the entire trip, who gets it? Uh, before you answer, who should be getting it in the sense of like who's going to provide the best music or who's actually going to get it for the two hours? Well, I think I think the answer is both of those answers are Kyle. Kyle yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say I feel like somebody else would provide better music. Like I feel like maybe Matt you know, brings us up into you know, modern music. You would not like the music. That's what I'm that saying. Would Matt would show like 2017 like mumble rap. <laughs> but what actually happens that might be what I would play <laughs> what actually happens is I just commandeer the front seat and the aux cord and I'll see you at West Point yeah, yeah. but I'll love it. I, I've, I've listened this. to a lot of books on tape lately in my own car so I save it for you guys I, I've, said this, I've said this about Kyle before and I'll say it again because I can be stingy I, I don't listen to enough new music Kyle will delve into my iPod or whatever and he'll play stuff that he's never heard before and he, and he, he gets some stuff that he's, he's He's gonna be like, wow! But he'll play it. He opens his heart to it because of because of my iPod. He's like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this. And one one year, a few years ago, he cranks out a song I'm sure you've never heard before, "Heartlight" by Neil Diamond. It's on the ET soundtrack. <laughs> and after a couple couple trips, he's like, I have genuine fondness for this song. <laughs> I he'll like he'll just play like whatever's in there. So at least he gives him he gives the songs an opportunity. So I think you know. He's earned it. See you guys on Saturday. Yeah. I'll, he'll be sitting shotgun. I'll be sitting in the back seat alone. This this isn't supposed to be like an alpha male thing, but it's understood that I get the front seat because I just can't do the back seat. Matt likes sleeping. I'm not good at riding shotgun because I'll sleep too much yeah, anyways. I, I just take the side seat. I yeah. take the passenger seat. I'll bring my pillow. It'll be nice. Pat's <laughs> <laughs> the only person that actually does show up with a pillow. Yeah. Okay, guys. Like, yeah. We all know what this is. <laughs> yeah. We'll pay an interest until we get on the turnpike and I'll see you in two and a half minutes. I'll see Sam on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see him last time. Yeah. Last question comes from North Broad on the message boards. Better Halloween Day memory, Temple versus Notre Dame or Philly's World Series Parade? Kyle need not answer. <laughs> this is a real sore spot for me, actually. Uh, uh, I am a Braves fan is why you're saying that. But I did go to that Philly's Day Parade. I was working at Applebee's at the time in Exton, which is now, now got replaced by a Plaza Alteca. 
Opposite Delteca. Yeah. And I was supposed to work at like let's say four and um, I tried to catch a one o'clock train out of the city after the parade. Didn't get back until like seven thirty. <laughs> Showed up, worked like a half an hour and then quit like two weeks later. But <laughs> you sound like Don Mazzetti. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Dude, I just got stuck. <laughs> I mean Temple Notre Dame was a was a pretty awesome experience, but the World Series parade is, yeah. is still so I will say Temple. still above it. My answer has to be the Temple Notre Dame game. Uh, and I thought it was a, a wonderful day, and it was a lot of fun. Um, super quick story, and I'm going to violate the rules on this. I was supposed if to... If you mentioned Discovery Zone, I swear to God. I'm not going to mention Discovery Zone. How the hell does that happen? Anyway. It's in the rules. No. The, here's what happened. I had tickets to Game 5 of the, of the 2008 World Series. Stayed for the first part that was, that was uh, suspended due to rain. Two days later, I had to fly to Kansas City, Missouri for a conference, an Associated Collegiate Press conference my full-time job at Temple, my boss at the time was like, you can change your flight if you want. I don't care. And I was like, I can't because I was like presenting down there. We leave. I turn my tickets over to somebody else. We land in Kansas City, run off the plane just in time to see Brad, uh, I almost said Brad Pitt, Brad Lidge, Brad Lidge getting that strikeout, dropping to his knees. Immediately my phone blows up. What are you doing, dude? We're going on to City Hall. Where are you? I'm like, I'm in Kansas City. What the? What are you doing in Kansas City? People in Manion, people in Center City. Missed that. And then two days later, or was it a day later or two days later, the parade's happening, missed everything. I was bitter. That was one of the worst two-month stretches of my life. Hate it. Mm. Wish I could have been there, should have been there, was not there. I was at like 30th Street Station, and SEPTA trains would come by, and they were just jam-packed. It wouldn't even stop. They'd yeah. buy you up by. It's kind yeah. of yeah, so I was in Kansas City, Missouri, in the, in the, the heartland of America. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you listening and your questions for the mailbag, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah.